RP3 is ready to step his game up and pick up the mic for this edition of the Rep Game Podcast. Here is Raymond Parts III, a.k.a. RP3. SCC. 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 I will now be hearing that, ladies and gentlemen, in my sleep for at least the next 20 years. That in Roll Tide Roll, in War Eagle, in Go Tigers, in Pig Suey, and every other slogan, catchphrase associated with the teams in the Southeastern Conference. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rap Game Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Parsa III, and I survived nearly a week in northern Alabama. I know what you're thinking. Huh, you're one of the lucky ones. You got out of northern Alabama life? You're right. You're right. You're right. But SEC Media Days, I experienced for the first time ever. Now, I've covered Media Day events over the years. College football, college baseball. I've covered Conference Media Days, Southland Conference, Sunbelt Conference. But they all pale in the just experience of the SEC Media Days. This year's Media Days was back in Hoover there at the Hyatt Regency Birmingham Winfrey Hotel. First of all, if you've never experienced Radio Row, let me give you a little insight here. It's kind of weird. I'm not going to lie to you. You walk into this hotel, you go through the lobby, and then on both sides of the main hall of this very nice hotel are just tables and tables and tables and tables of radio guys with radio equipment and backdrops and their tablecloths with their banners and the whole nine yards. And then at the end of Radio Row, and our table for 103.7 The Game for RP3 and Company was set up right outside of a tavern towards the tail end of the major hallway. The actual hotel is connected to a Galleria Mall. So you're sitting there, and you're doing your broadcast in the morning, as I did Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, So not only are you getting fans that fill up the lobby portion of the hotel that are there to see their favorite players and their coach of their favorite team, and they're loud and proud, and we'll get more to about the loud and proud and the, I guess the best way to describe it is the quirkiness of some fan bases. So you have those people walking in front of you, down the hallway, right? But then you have media members. And you have athletes, and you have coaches, and you have bomb-sniffing dogs. And then you just have random people that just so happen are staying at the hotel and have no bloody idea that there's a damn media days going on. You should have seen their faces. You're just like, oh, my God, what the hell? What, what is this? What is what, what, what have we walked into? What have we walked into, Jim? I thought we were taking a nice weekend off somewhere. You've taken me here. There was a couple of glares from some wives going, what the hell? There's also a couple of glares from some wives who begrudgingly were there with their husbands. I can't tell you how many times I saw guys decked out in jerseys and ball caps carrying a wagon with memorabilia to be signed in the lobby, and then their wife just looking at her phone with a look of, I married this man? Why did I marry this man? I regret my life choices. That kind of glare was on many of a wife's face over the course of those four and a half days. So you're there, so you got all the fanatics from the SEC, and there's no bigger than fanatics in college football than the ones that reside in the Southeastern Conference. We know this. 
police officers, media. There's Paul Feinbaum walking down doing interviews left and right. Marty Smith from ESPN doing interviews left and right. Former athletes are popping up, moving back and forth. Yet the media members, radio station guys, print media, print media, sitting down to do interviews. Then you just have the random people that are just staying at the hotel. Oh, and then you have the curious folks because Radio Row backs up into the mall. There was actually four radio tables right outside of the hotel on the wall that the hotel shares with the mall. And then there's a seating area right there at the mall. So you just random people shopping at the big and tall shop or shopping at Belk. Oh, I, I need to get some, I need to, need to pick up a few things. Oh, and the portion of the mall that the radio row backed up to was the food court. Convenient for your boy, by the way. Very convenient for your boy. Oh, got a lot of time to kill. Oh, I need to go hit me up that Chick-fil-A right down there in the food court. What? Yes. Need me that number one. Extra pickles is how I roll, by the way. So you just got random mall traffic coming into Radio Road, too. Just walking. It is an experience like none other I've ever had. Just crazy. The energy level is high right off the bat early in the morning. We got there set up. We get there around about 5.15, 5.25, in the morning to set ourselves up, you know, get settled in, get ready to go. Air checks, you know, make sure the level's are right. I, I holler at Cody Shoots, my producer extraordinaire. I was like, hey, how we sounding? He's like, oh, you sound you sound like you're barely alive. I said, thank you. But the people start showing up that early. The media sessions don't start until about 8.30, 8.45. Teams are usually at 9. So it was an eye-opening experience. And just... So many media members. There were, I counted, 40, 40 tables on Radio Row. 40. Mind-blowing. That many radio stations across the southeast are there for media days. And that's not counting all the television stations who had their own room upstairs. You had electronic media rooms upstairs for TV, essentially, or webcast. And and then, so you got ready to row on the first floor of the hotel. Then you have to take the famous escalators. Because the escalators go up there out of the lobby. They go right down to the lobby where all the fans are at. And they go nuts when they see their people. And you go up the escalators. I'm just walking through this. You go through it. And they have all the SEC football helmets in between the two escalators, which is kind of cool. So as you're slowly moving up the escalators, you go through the helmets they're all sit there posed, and the SEC championship trophy is at the very top. That's a nice thing. And then you're upstairs on the second floor of the hotel, and you have the wide open. You have these three rooms off to the side for media, for one-on-one media sessions and things like that. The SEC network has taken off a back half of it. Then they have their own platform right there outside of the main media area where the stage is at and all the other smaller components for player interviews. And then even inside that room, the SEC Network has a stage in the back where they do their broadcast live that you saw on the air. Just ridiculous. Eye-opening, at times somewhat overwhelming. 
but still an interesting experience and one I will not soon forget. So let me walk you through this year's quickly. So you get set up Monday. We knock out our show here at the station. And then you're still, there's still registration going on for members of the media to come in. We get, we went in early. We went in Sunday because we had to do the show Monday morning. But then they feed you. And let me tell you something. One of the highlights of attending SEC media days, ladies and gentlemen, they take care of you when it comes to the food and it's free. I'll say it again. It's free. All types of spreads. I was taking pictures and sending them to my wife. She's like, where are you eating at? I said, in the hotel. They're taking care of me. That brunch was awesome. Everything you could possibly want to eat. They pulled out the big spreads. Let me tell you, they made sure to take care of the media member. Now I know why. Hell, covering SEC media days may be worth it just by how they take care of you with the meals. Just saying. Then it was a little bit of a later start on Monday because of the brunch. It's the first day. They kind of slow, they kind of play it slow, right? They, they slowly incorporate you into it. Commissioner Greg Sankey does his big announcement. And the commissioner would then sit there and uh, bring to the stage all the coaches throughout the rest of the days. But he has his State of the Union address, as they say. Talked about a multitude of things. He cracked jokes. He made a Willy Wonka reference. He was kind of all over the place, which was interesting. And then the big announcement where he tried to make fun, have fun with the media, and said, oh, we're going to Vegas for media days, and then said, no, they're, they're going back to Atlanta next year for the College Football Hall of Fame. Which people were like, okay. Because last year in 2018 was the first time they ever had left the Hoover slash Birmingham metropolitan area for SEC media days. The SEC's main office is, of course, in Birmingham. So it just makes sense to have media days close by, right? Just you know, the infrastructure, they understand it, the, the pro- proximity to the main offices and everything like that. But they went to Atlanta last year, had it at the College Football Hall of Fame, so they're going to go back again next year. But then he makes the announcement that it's going to Nashville. And I want to elaborate a little bit on this, and I talked about it on the air. This feels... Like, they're going to create this as a rotational site. Think of it like the British Open, the U.S. Open, and the PGA Championship in golf, where it is a rotational site. People bid on it, the whole nine yards, and you go through that. Or think about it like a Super Bowl site. The Super Bowl's not held every year in the same location. It should be. It should be held in New Orleans because that's the best place to host an event like that. But I digress. And it also feels like the SEC is seeing, because look, Media days have always been somewhat of a ho-hum event that no one really paid attention to. The fans didn't really care. But the SEC and its collaboration with ESPN and, in turn, the SEC Network, which is owned by ESPN and the SEC, they turned this into a must-see event. They turned it into an extravaganza like none other. It just means more. That big sign was painted on the outside of the hotel when we rolled up on Sunday, it they weren't done with it. It just said, it means mo, which I found amusing. It just means more. They've made this. All the other conferences, Big 12, ACC, every, everyone else, the Sun Belt, their media days are one in two days. That's it. SEC is like, we got four. 
we have four. This needs to be a four-day event. They've created this Frankenstein monster, so to speak. And it's gotten so big because of the media coverage with ESPN and the SEC Network. It's become such a marquee event for media and for the fans that maybe it's gotten too big for where it's at. They did a trial run last year. I was told by folks on Radio Row the reason why they did that because there was renovations going on there at the Hyatt Regency Birmingham. So they took it off site for a year. Well, they, then they got to see exactly how it went down and that the reaction in Atlanta was immense. So they're going to do this. They're going to treat it like a U.S. Open. They're going to treat it like a British Open. They're going to treat it like a Super Bowl. And they're going to stay within the footprint, geography-wise, of the conference. So this year it's in Hoover or Birmingham. Next year it will be in Atlanta. The year after that it will be in Nashville. And another part of this is because the SEC already has other events there, right? The SEC championship game for football is held where? Atlanta. The SEC basketball tournament, men's basketball tournament, is held where? Nashville. So they already have, they already are familiar with the infrastructure in place. They already know what it takes with the volunteers. They already know how much time it takes to put on an event there, so they're familiar with it. That plays a huge role in this. But also, I look at it as them making this decision, and they're taking a play a page out of the NFL's playbook of what they've done with the NFL draft. The NFL draft for years was an event ignored by most media and most fans with the exception of about a dozen drunk New York Jets fans that were out of work because they chose to be. And then, once again, based on television and what that could do, it made it into this marquee event where all of a sudden it went from two days then to three days. Now it's in primetime when it used to never be. It used to be held on a Saturday. Now it's a Thursday night primetime event for the first round. Then rounds two and three are now on Friday. It's all about that TV money. So then the NFL's like, we're going to take this out of there. And what have they done? It's been a resounding success. Philadelphia, Chicago. And then, of course, we saw what happened earlier this year in Nashville where it looked like a damn Super Bowl. Greg Sankey and the rest of the SEC took notice of that, that the NFL held an event similar, right? There, there, there's no sporting. There's nothing going on athletic-wise during the NFL draft. It's just guys Gooding on stage, putting on a hat and having holding up a jersey with the commissioner. There's there's nothing really going on. Just like SEC Media Days, there's nothing really going on. Yet it's a huge event. And they saw what happened in Nashville. Right in their own backyard where they already hold an event. And I think that gave them the inspiration to do this. There's not too many cities... That can host these events, though, right? Are you going to hold it in Charlotte? No. Where in Florida would you hold it? Maybe Orlando? Maybe? Probably. But Atlanta's a good spot. Hoover, Birmingham will still be in the mix. They have the infrastructure. The proximity to the SEC headquarters makes sense. Nashville's a good spot as well, too. New Orleans, though, is going to be in the mix. I talked to a lot of folks on Radio Row, and they're like, yeah, we'd like to have it in New Orleans. <laughs> now, there could be a possibility that many um, 
many uh, radio uh, sports talk radio show uh, may not occur the next morning if it is held in New Orleans because said radio members from South Carolina and Alabama and Mississippi will be more than likely having a good time. They will be partaking in the sights and sounds that New Orleans has to offer. So that's what's going to be coming up. I see this happening. It's going to be a rotational thing. Hoover, Birmingham will still be in the mix, but it won't be an every year thing. First day, highlights for the first day. Missouri, lots of attention on Kelly Bryant. Rightfully so. He's the former starter at Clemson at quarterback. He entered the dreaded transfer portal and found his way in Missouri. That could be a sneaky good team. Florida was also in the mix. They took the stage. Nothing too off the wall there for the Gators. Dan Mullen didn't say anything. That angered anyone. Felipe Franks didn't say anything. It was kind of ho-hum. A little bit of a disappointment there with the Gators. I thought for sure that they would bring some juice and some controversy to the SEC media days, especially as good as Dan Mullen is at talking and kind of saying things while throwing shade. The star of day one, though, without a doubt, was Joe Burrow of LSU. I had more people from the other radio stations and media members there that are not affiliated with LSU like we are, ask about Joe Burrow. They couldn't stop talking about Joe Burrow. Look, Grant Delpit may be the best player in the SEC, and Coach Ed O is changing people's minds on if he is a quality head coach or not. But Joe Burrow's the star. He talked about food. He talked about the big differences in between food between Ohio and Louisiana. He talked about the team. People couldn't get enough of Joe Burrow. He handled the media, and he handled SEC Media Days like a champ. And after that media session, and uh, the confidence that the Tigers displayed from Coach Edo down to Grant Delpit, Joe Burrow, and Lloyd Cushenberry, the three players that Coach O, Bebe, from down on the bayou, brought with him to Hoover, the confidence level of other media members concerning LSU and their chances of being in the college football playoff this year and dethroning Alabama skyrocketed. Absolutely skyrocketed after that session. It wasn't that they said anything. It's not like they gave a lot of sound bites. It's not like they gave a lot of bulletin board material. They did none of that. They just carried themselves with an abundance of confidence and people are legitimately believing that this team can make some noise and be in championship contention, not only for the SEC, but also nationally. That's how day one came to an end. It was a long day for you, boy. I went to bed early. Did not enjoy the nightlife of Hoover, Birmingham. Tuesday comes around there at SEC Media Days. Georgia was kind of ho-hum. Kirby Smart, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm, uh, by the way, was rocking the bow tie. And uh, he was a favorite along Radio Row and with TV stations of getting interviews. He's one of the more more recognizable, uh, recognizable? There we go. I'm learning how to use this tongue today, apparently. He's one of the bigger names. So Kirby Smart, Jake Fromm, and, and, and whatnot took to the stage. That did start, the Georgia session, though, did start the questions of, well, Coach, Nick Saban assistants 
or 0-16 against Nick Saban, you know, and Kirby actually interrupted him. He's like, I've never heard that before, right? He had fun with it. But that began the, the, the run of that. That that question was also asked to Will Muschamp of South Carolina, Jeremy Pruitt of Tennessee in the days to come. Also, day two, once again, kept at the forefront of people asking about the transfer portal, the transfer portal, and the transfer portal. People asking the same question about the transfer portal, but just doing it three different ways. Every coach was asked about the transfer portal. But with the exception of Kirby having that kind of interrupting the reporter before he even asked the question about being winless, his assistants, Nick Saban's assistants being winless against him, he cut it off. Once again, he had to answer that. Jimbo Fisher had to answer that. Will Muschamp had to answer that. Jeremy Pruitt had to answer it. Love the optimism I saw with the team number two on Tuesday. That was the Ole Miss Rebels. Coach Matt Luke, he's no longer handcuffed. They have the full amount of scholarship players. They have 85 on the roster. They were able to sign a recruiting class of more than 30 kids. They've been having to deal with the NCAA sanctions that were in reference to his previous, the previous head coach, Hugh Freeze, who's now was uh, not only had the sanctions that happened under his watch, but also was disgraced with the call girl issue out of Memphis. Uh, he was disgraced. He's now the head coach at Liberty, who will be coming to Cajun Field this year and playing the Raging Cajuns. But there's a lot of optimism around Matt Luke. He brought a redshirt freshman quarterback, Matt Corral, who is going to be taking over the team. They may not get to a bowl game. They may not even be able to take part in a postseason, but Ole Miss has some optimism about them. They got Rich Rodriguez, former longtime head coach, known for his offensive genius. He's going to be running the offense. They got the former Colorado coach and San Jose coach, Mike McIntyre. He's going to be running the defense. So some big names, some optimism with Ole Miss. After a delightful lunch. It was time for the afternoon session, Texas A&M, Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt for Tennessee decided, I think he was trying to see, how long can my opening remarks be? Is there a record? Because I want to shatter it. Because he talked for his opening remarks 22 minutes. We learned about his assistant coach's junior high school dance and what they wore. That's how much information Jeremy Pruitt, I'm embellishing, of course, Jeremy Pruitt gave to members of the media during his media session. But A&M was the one that caused the most buzzworthy moments of all week. Jimbo Fisher knows how to hold court with his dang yums and his golly darns and everything like that, his folksy way of saying things. He held court, but it was his quarterback, Kellen Mon, that caused the most buzzworthy moment of SEC media days this year when he said not only that he was the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, which resulted in media members across Radio Row and in the print media room to go, did Jake Fromm and Tua from Alabama die? Did we miss something? So not only did the young man display his confidence, but then he also threw shade at LSU's way by mentioning DBU in the seven-overtime game and how they he saw them cramping up and that the LSU players were you know, cramping up. He was basically trying to say that Texas A&M were the better conditioned team than that LSU wasn't prepared. Of course, that drew the ire of many LSU fan and LSU player, and former players started chiming in. When you got Jamal Adams 
one of the best at the NFL level and one of the best from DBU. He takes notice. You just gave LSU all the bulletin board material that they will ever need. They didn't need any, especially after the way that game went last year, seven overtimes, coaches scuffling, Jimbo Fisher's nephews involved. And then on top of it, you're like, we're going to add even more fuel to the fire and claim that LSU couldn't handle us because they were too busy cramping and they that we could go a couple of extra overtimes that we could have handled ourselves after that game ended with scuffles and fights afterwards. I love the bravado. I love the confidence. But my man, you better hope, Kellen Mon, better hope and pray to baby Jesus and his little tuxedo t-shirt that he can step up and deliver. Because if he isn't, those LSU players, Christian Fulton, Derek Stingley Jr., Grant Delpit, Rashard Lawrence, Tyler Shelvin, and on the boys, they are going to absolutely wreck him. He better pray to God that his offensive line can block worth a damn because if they can't, they are going to put his ass in a body bag come November because LSU is still pissed off about what occurred last year. They haven't forgotten. The big moment, though, for me, the one of the things that I, that I enjoyed most of all, happened Tuesday night. That was the Saturdays in the South preview held down at the Lyric Theater in downtown Birmingham. They took us, they got a shuttle. The tickets were free. I just had to RSVP. Listen to me, RSVP, like I'm a big shot or some some stuff. <laughs> oh, please. So they take us on the shuttle. They go, the, the theater is beautiful, historic theater. You can tell that it's small, but it was amazing. Uh, by the way, open bar, dude. Yeah, open bar. And since there was a shuttle, did your boy enjoy a couple frosty adult beverages? Possibly that occurred. Just saying. They also had free popcorn and candy. Which is like, yeah, yeah, this is my jam. This is what I need to do. Ton of media people, ton of just people in the community taking part. And this is the... Uh, this was put on by Regions, but this is ESPN's uh, multi-part series that's going to be debuting in the fall. And they gave us a preview. They showed segments involving Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, and Herschel Walker. And then afterwards, they showed us those previews. Then afterwards, there was a slight intermission, and then they had a roundtable discussion with the three, which was great. Steve Spurrier always takes an opportunity to say amazing things. Herschel Walker the same way, and Archie Manning was great as well. And that, that was terrific in that setting and everything after was amazing. Then afterwards, I hit up a uh, arcade bar, got to play Vintage NBA Jam. Oh, that was nice. That was nice. I had a tasty burger too. Wednesday comes, and that's when you hit the wall. And the folks there on Radio Row and the other media members warned me of this, and they said, look, today is Bama Day, and you'll hit your wall today. You'll just be spent. You'll be exhausted, and you'll just feel yourself just so tired. And I was like, what are you talking about? They weren't wrong. Bama led off things. They they were speaking at 9 o'clock in the morning. I got there at 530 Alabama fans started coming into the lobby there at the Hyatt Regency, Winfrey Hotel, at 545, 6 o'clock. Bama doesn't arrive until 9. The lobby was jam-packed with 
people. Some people dressed up. Had one guy dressed up in all the Alabama championship rings. Had all the Alabama garb on. Lots of houndstooth hats on, by the way, of course, as you can expect it. Signs. People had memorabilia. Now, there was a little bit of that throughout the first day, first two days. But Bama Day? Oh, man. People came out of wood. I mean, they just came pouring in, pouring in, chanting, roll tight, roll tight. Roll. They just chanting, SEC, SEC. We could hear them up on the second floor of the hotel. You come down the escalators, and they're all just looking up at you. They're all just looking up at you like they're a hungry dog. Like, ooh, are you someone famous affiliated with Alabama? And then you see the disappointment on their faces. They're like, oh, we don't want you to sign our helmet. They're just clamoring. They had two older gentlemen that dressed up like Bear Bryant. One dressed up like Bear Bryant in the late 1960s. The other one dressed up like Bear Bryant in the late 1970s. They became the stars of the show on Saturday because there were people, other Alabama fans, that wanted to get their pictures taken with the two guys dressed up like the bear. As you well know, your boy, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. I'm a diehard Crimson Tide fan. I bleed that team. But even I was like, come on now. What y'all doing? That's enough. That, 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 that's enough. There's some life choices that you need to examine and go over. Because, like, y'all got families, right? Like, you, you, what, what are y'all doing? Just for real. Just insane. And when Nick Saban came by, oh, my God. It was as if the Beatles had arrived. They went absolutely ballistic. It was deafening in there. When Saban and his three players that he brought, including Louisiana native, Baton Rouge native, Dylan Moses. When they're on Radio Row, heightened security. Nick has his own security people. The bomb-sniffing dogs came out. They're patrolling Radio Row before Nick. You didn't see the bomb-sniffing dogs Monday and Tuesday and Thursday. But on Wednesday on Bama Day, uh uh-huh, they came down. They did two passes. It was insane. And then after they were on the stage, and there was nothing really of note of what Nick talked about on Wednesday. He was kind of, he did have a memorable, my favorite moment of Nick on stage was when someone asked him about Ron Higgins, friend of the program, asking him, are you difficult to work for? Because you've heard reports, Lane Kiffin and others that have worked for Nick Saban that say that he's very demanding, he's taxing, he's a difficult person to work for or to work with. No, let's be honest. You're working for Nick Saban. You're not collaborating with Nick. Let's let's be honest there. And Nick, you know, just sat up there and he's like, well, yeah, I, I, I guess you would have to ask them if I'm difficult to work with. But I have heard that, you know, I may be a little difficult to work with. But yet... uh when they take a job somewhere else, they use the same process, I'm paraphrasing here, that they learned here. So, <laughs> which is a nice way of throwing shade at his former assistants who complain about how of much of a dictator he is because they use the same things that he did at their new jobs. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But the reaction, I just felt bad for Arkansas and head coach Chad Morse. Because they had to follow Bama in the morning session. They had to follow 
the Crimson Juggernaut. And what happens at Media Day is that you, they go upstairs, they do some of the local media, they have some some pre-planned interviews upstairs in the hotel, then they come over and they they sit in the big room, they do the electronic media rooms, the players do, while coaches on the main stage. And when coach is done, the players come into the main area and then they do more interviews with groups, you know, hordes of media members. Of course, Tua had the most people of anyone during the entire SEC media days. And then it's SEC network stuff. It's very intricate. They have to do all that stuff. But then they also will come down to Radio Row. And the players will come down and they'll do select interviews. And, of course, Nick Saban came down and did interviews as well. And when that happened, oh, my God. The place just went berserk. And you had other media people there and Arkansas people there. And you just see these TV people. They're trying to get the low-angle shots of Nick Saban walking down Radio Row. They're just knocking people, knocking fools out of the way. Just boom, elbowing them. Get out of the way. You're out. You're in my shot. i got to get Nick Saban walking down. Poor Arkansas. <laughs> just, I felt bad for the Razorbacks. They had to follow Nick Saban. Like, who the hell wants to do that? Best of luck to Arkansas and Chad Morris for trying to do a rebuilding project. By the way, it's going to take some, some. Uh, it's going to take some work. Bill Hancock also addressed the media on Wednesday. We had him on the show. That's the uh, executive director, CEO of the college football playoff. Uh, no expansion on the horizon. In case you were wondering, moving on. Afternoon on Wednesday, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Will Muschamp got a little uh, pissy with someone in one of the uh, before he got onto the main stage where someone tried to ask him if how it was to be the little brother to Clemson. He shut that down, and uh, that was the end of that. That was pretty much the highlight there from Muschamp. Will's got a tough schedule. I mean, oh, they just it's it's a brutal schedule. He has to play Clemson. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Appalachian State. I mean, he, I, that's it, the, South Carolina may have the, the toughest schedule in the country. So good luck to the former LSU assistant coach, Will Muschamp. Mississippi State, that was fun. Joe Moorhead is kind of fun. Yeah, last year at Media Days, and I wasn't there, but I remember watching the coverage. He was all about proclaiming big things. Oh, got, got to get fitted for championship rings. Got to make room in the trophy case. Nick Fitzgerald's going to be a Heisman winner. Ah, that did not happen, as we know. Joe Moorhead, who comes from Penn State, he wants to run a certain offense. He couldn't do that with Nick Fitzgerald. It's not a knock on Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald is a running quarterback. We saw that in the LSU game last year where the only thing he did was off-left tackle, off-right tackle, off-left tackle, off-right tackle, quarterback keeper. That's it. But he was funny. He talked about going to the same high school as Dan Marino. He's originally from Pittsburgh. Someone, one of the media members actually gave him an update from the Pittsburgh Pirates game that was going on at the time. He appreciated that. He had fun with it. When I asked him, hashtag humble brag, when I asked Joe Moorhead about gearing up for the Raging Cajuns because Mississippi State opens up the season against UL inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, I asked him what he thought about getting ready to play a game in New Orleans in a venue like that. He got very excited because he's already come down there twice. He saw that his Pittsburgh Steelers play and get beat by the Saints. What up, who dats? And then he attended the Rolling Stones concert earlier in the week. He was very excited and happy that he got to see Mick Jagger and Keith Richards on stage there inside the Superdome. But he also gave some credit he expects 
a very competitive team for the Raging Cajuns. And for Mississippi State, questions remain. They sent four guys to the NFL in the first round of the draft on the defensive side of the ball. They lose seven starters, and they're breaking in a new quarterback. We'll see how good Mississippi State is. Maybe the Cajuns can catch them, catch and sleep them. That's an 11 a.m. kick inside the Superdome to start off the season. We'll see. Wednesday, though, was the media night out, and that was tremendous. There's a Dave and Buster's right there in front of the Galleria Mall. So it's right next door to where we're having SEC media days. So it was media night out. They treated us. It was a private event. They shut down Dave and Buster's for all members of the media. You just bring your media credential. That's all you have to do. You know what You know what we got? Get a $30 card for games. And then they had like 60% of all their games inside of Dave and Buster's. Had blue lights. And those games were free. Say, what? Did your boy play Mario Kart? Daytona driving games? Did I play the Terminator shoot 'em up game and Rambo and Alien Co- Covenant? Did I practice my shots with the basketball, old school basketball game? Did I play air hockey? You bet I did. That was a good time. There was also a buffet of all the deliciousness at Dave and Buster's. And free drinks as well. Once again, I was not driving. Could have possibly enjoyed myself. So that was nice. That was nice. Taking care of the media like that, that was, that was fun. I had a blast. Of course, I have to give, give love to the world-famous Clint Domain, producer here at 103.7 The Game and host of Under the Dome with CD on Saturdays, 10 to 12. He joined me. He had himself a good time. I won't reveal just how good of a time he had. But I'm just saying swipe left. That's all I'm going to say. Swipe left. Thursday, it wrapped up. And you felt kind of, boom. You're like, ah, it's Thursday. You felt it Wednesday, but us in media, after the Bama had left the building and the, the, the day kind of, you felt that wave building up and then it just kind of crest there. But we recharged our battery with the media night out. Thursday came and you're like, okay, last day. Vandy, Kentucky, Auburn. God bless them. They are, by the way, three of the most seniored, ten, uh, most tenured coaches in the SEC behind Nick Saban. Think about that for a minute. Got to give some love to Vandy, though. Derek Mason, high energy. He was working Radio Row the day before. Like, he was there in blue shorts and a, and a polo shirt. He was just walking around. Who wants to talk to me? That's what you got to do when you're the Vanderbilt head football coach. Okay? Their baseball program doesn't have to do that. The football program, unfortunately, that does. Derek is a salesman. You can see why guys like playing for Derek Mason. So likable. I was like, damn. I was like, I was like, damn, coach, I'm ready. I'll put on... The Commodore's uniform, or as Cody Schutz likes to refer to them as, the Commode doors. Shout out to Papa Schutz. But he had some fun things to say. High energy guy. Look, Vandy's been to two bowl games two of the last three years. He's got that program being competitive. That's a lot of work, especially with the academic standards that Vanderbilt has. 
But someone asked him about the Vandy Whistler. Oh, you remember him. The gentleman who spent his adult life whistling at baseball games for Vanderbilt. He got into a bit of a ruckus with some LSU fans at the SEC tournament in Hoover. Which, by the way, I went by the Met, checked it out on Monday. Obviously, it was locked up, but got to see it. I'd never been. It's a nice facility. In the back of a neighborhood, though, it's kind of weird where it was at. So you talk about the Vandy Whistler. That the Vandy Whistler sometimes is outside of his window, which was funny. Kentucky was up next. They had the surprise season last year. Mark Stoops has done a nice job there. They got a quarterback transfer coming in out of Troy. It's kind of ho-hum. And then things were closed out with Gus Malzahn in Auburn, who seems to be on the hot seat every single year. Every year. Does he have a quarterback on roster run his offense? Is the offensive line healthy enough to be able to protect said quarterback? It seems like those are the same questions we ask every single year when it comes to Gus Malzahn and Auburn. The highlight of Thursday, though, had to be the diehard Auburn fan that was walking up and down Radio Row with their little yappy dog. It was like a Chihuahua, Yorkie, I don't know, some type of scrangly little dog that yaps. They had painted the dog orange and black to make it look like a tiger. Once again, my people in the the state of Alabama, what you doing? It's time to re-examine some life choices here. Okay, Just saying. It's time to re-examine those choices you're making in life. What were some personal highlights for me? It was cool interacting with other radio stations. It was cool getting to know a lot of those other guys and hearing the stories about covering Radio Row in years past. I had one guy tell me about the story about former Alabama head coach Mike Shula desperately needing to apparently pee and asking him where the restroom was at. Because that's what you are. You go into the restroom and you, bu- you know, you, you, look, we're guys. We're not looking around in the restroom like, oh, who the hell's in here? You know, you kind of keep your head down. You're like, okay, I just need to go do handle my business. And then, boom, you bump into Paul Feinbaum and Marty Smith. You're like, what? It was good hearing the stories like that. Seeing the fanatical uh, Comic-Con kind of-esque college football fans, in particular the Alabama and Auburn fans. I'm, I'm talking to you in particular. That was interesting. The radio station from Arkansas that did not have a backdrop or a tablecloth for their radio station. So you know what they did? These guys killed it. They brought a flat screen TV to put up behind them. They were a couple rows, a couple rows down from us. And then they had NCAA 2014 on Xbox playing. And they have continued to get the updates, the roster updates. So it was as if all the players that were at SEC Media Days were in the game system. So it was the 2019 version, essentially, even though they don't make the game anymore. That was a buzzed about topic. That was kind of cool seeing that. And when they had downtime, they would just play, which was kind of awesome. It's like, yeah, that's nice. Seeing just the insanity of it all. But personally for me, because I am an Alabama fan, I got to meet and take my picture with former national championship winning quarterback Blake Sims. He was interviewing one of the other Alabama stations nearby. 
I told the guys at the station who I became kind of friendly with, they're like, hey, do you want to meet Blake? He's a cool guy. I said, sure. I told Blake where I was originally from, diehard Tide fan. He took a picture with me. It was cool as hell. So got to cover one of the marquee media events in the country. Got to see the quirkiness of the fan base. Got to interact with other media. It was exhausting, don't get me wrong. But it was a blast as well. And even though we mock them relentlessly for it, it does, in fact, just mean more. SCC. 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 That'll do it for this edition of the Rap Game Podcast. Make sure to tune in next week and check out the latest edition. I promise that this will be more of a weekly feature and that I'll remember to do it. Cody has assured me that he's going to remind me to make sure to do my damn podcast. I mean, my man is producing multiple shows, and he does the 20 by 20 podcast. So he looked at me like, dude, what are you doing? Just go in there and talk. You talk my ear off in between breaks. I'm pretty sure you can fill up a podcast, my man. So make sure to tune in for that. And also, always tune in for RP3 and Company, Monday through Friday right here on 103.7 The Game, 6 to 9. It's been great. Talk to you guys next week.